This episode of the YVR Screen Scene Podcast is brought to you by UBCP ACTRA, a.k.a. the Union of British Columbia Performers. UBCP is an autonomous branch of the Alliance of Canadian Cinema, Television, and Radio Artists, the national organization of professional performers working in the English language recorded media in Canada. For more information about UBCP ACTRA, visit ubcpactra.ca. This episode was sponsored in part by listeners like you. Join our Patreon community and receive early access to episodes, bonus content, stickers, buttons, and more. Visit www.patreon.com slash podcast. Welcome to the YBR Screen Scene Podcast, where we pull back the curtain and expose the beating heart of the Vancouver film and television industry, namely the actors and filmmakers and other talented artists who do the work, capital T, capital W. I'm Sabrina Rani Firminger, and today, Today, I am honored to welcome Eliza Villani back to the YVR Screen Scene Podcast. Eliza originally joined us in July 2021, so almost two years now, to talk about her work in the first season of Netflix's Sweet Tooth. I'll link to that episode, that award-winning episode, thank you very much, in the footnotes, but here's the TLDR on Sweet Tooth. Sweet Tooth draws its inspiration from Jeff Lemire's comic book series about a boy who's half human and half deer navigating a world, a big, big unfriendly world that has been devastated by a virus that has killed a lot of people and led to the mysterious emergence of a human-animal hybrid species of babies. Eliza plays Rani Singh, just like Sabrina Rani Mera, Firminjar, she is Ronnie saying, Ronnie has the virus, but is a rare long-term survivor thanks to her doctor husband's Aditya's devotion and mysterious life-saving treatments, which we discover involves slaughtering hybrid children. Fun fact, the series shoots in New Zealand, but features not one, but two Vancouver actors, Eliza as Ronnie and Christian Connery as the titular Sweet Tooth himself. Both Eliza and Christian won awards for their performances at the 2022 Leo Awards, which honestly made my heart sing. I was very happy that night for you. Actually, what was great too is that those awards happened like really early in the evening. So I was like on a high for the, for the rest of the night. I was like, I was pretty happy. So thank you for winning those awards early in the night. Okay. Earlier this month, Sweet Tooth and Ronnie were back for another eight-episode journey that somehow managed to hit all the notes. It thrilled, it chilled, and it broke my cold, dead heart. Throughout season two, Ronnie reckons with karma and the moral quandary of her predicament. As she says early on in the season, how many lives for mine will we reap what we sow? But as another character observes in that very same episode, Ronnie is one tough cookie. Ronnie is so very human, vulnerable, loving, conflicted, a little Lady Macbeth at some points, just a little, and still feisty as shit. She really shines during what my daughter called the most awkward family dinner ever. In the end, 
Well, we're going to drop some spoilers in this episode, but we won't explicitly say where she ends up because still early in the release. So I guess what I'll say is that freedom takes many forms, especially in the paradigm of the very cruel sweet tooth world. And I personally was satisfied with the way in which Ronnie claimed her freedom. Eh? Eh? Intriguing, right? So together we're gonna talk Ronnie and sweet tooth with the inimitable, imitable? Inimitable. No imitation, Eliza Villani. And also get the 411 on her latest project. A reunion of sorts with the work of Zarka Nawaz, the brilliant mind behind Little Mosque on the Prairie. In Zarka. Eliza Villani, welcome back to the Live Green Scene podcast. Thank you for having me. That was quite the intro. Quite the intro. I, you know, I, I think now when I write my intro, that's what I want to hear. Like that's I what I work to towards. It. I'm like, what what am I gonna write that will make my guests say, that was quite the introduction. <laughs> so, well, you accomplished it because I was just listening to that going, wow, that makes everything I'm doing sound a lot bigger than what it is in my head. Why, why are you, okay, let's get into your head right away. Yeah. Why are you minimizing yourself, Aliza? Because this is all huge shit. Yeah, it is huge, which is, it's hard to fathom. It's funny when you've, worked in the industry for so long and then when a show like this comes along and then you end up on another show as well that kind of brings you back full circle mm. it really makes you think about your entire career and you realize how big it is it's hard when i say i have been in this industry working for 16 years what yeah wow yeah since 14 years old and that just boggles my mind uh, but that definitely means that it is it's larger than I think it is. I think what's good though, I think it's good if we don't walk around all the time like being fully introspective and you know boggling our mind all the time because then like I don't know we'd be walking into things like it would just yes, be too intense. drive us insane. Yeah. However, to be I love to be the facilitator, you know, of these. It's this it's this our our table. It's a nice kitchen table. Yeah. You know, that we have here in our studio. So let's let's talk. Let's talk about <laughs> it. So I, I do want to get right into Sweet Tooth. It's very yes. fresh in my mind. Um, as always, I remember saying this two years ago and tweeting about it two years ago. So stressful to watch too, because you don't you care about so many people. And in my case too, I care about that stuffed dog yes. so much. Oh, and little dog. Bobby, the hybrid. And my my kid's dog, who even though my kid is 12, um, doggy in my life is still a huge ass deal. Um, and uh, so I like, it's huge. Like, yeah, you know, it's that, a big thing. Yeah. And it's it's something that everyone can relate to. Kids having pour that. their love, you know, into, especially you know, when there's trauma and, and tough times, you it's know. It's their friend. Yeah, and if anything happens, I literally weep every time there's like a, you know, either a, a parent posting that their kid lost a beloved, you know, stuffy on the tube in London, or an airline is like, somebody left their, you know, beloved bear on a plane, and I'm just, it's so sad. Sad. It's all alone. <laughs> it's all alone. And then I imagine the kid, you know, without that. But anyway, I I got through it. I got through the se season two. Dog is there yeah. and is dog. being taken care of through That's the whole fine. process. People love dog. Dog is, uh, you know, and and yeah. So, it, but but you worry like the whole of time course. about all the characters. Season one though had the newness of COVID hanging over it, kind of like a specter. Um, and I'm curious for from your perspective, what role it plays in season two. You know, like the like the world in Sweet Tooth, we've been living with our version of the sick for 
for years now. Nine years for them. It's three years. Three years. Three years. Four, yeah. technically. You think right. If you're including 2020, yeah, that's four years. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think it was first detected in 2019, right? Exactly. So, wow. Wow. It feels like yesterday and a lifetime ago, you know, but now it's like it's still there. People are still dying from it. And we're like negotiating our own kind of, you know, risk assessment and yeah. dance with it. Right. And which is kind of what they do in Sweet Tooth as well. So, you know, I'm, I'm like, how how do you think it informed, you know, both the story, but also your experience, you know, of filming and of how the story plays out? Yeah, because season two, we filmed in 2022. So still very much, especially in New Zealand at a time where they were experiencing COVID for the first time really in their community. So I felt like I got to live that wave twice. Wow, okay. So it was very interesting filming while there were massive waves in New Zealand and having to combat that while also recognizing that the rest of the world is now coming down from it mm -hmm. and making peace with it or incorporating it in their day-to-day -day lives. So it or really was ignoring it. Yeah, Sorry, or ignoring me. it or yeah. ignoring it completely. Um, and so it was a bit of a deja vu feeling. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that's what this entire series is, is reliving that experience of the sick yeah. and what it means when a sickness takes over your whole life. Yeah. And I think for a lot of people, COVID really has taken over their whole life. Yeah. You know, we we talk about how, yeah, it, it happens for a few days and then you're you're fine after that. That's not the case for everyone. Yeah. Um, that's Ronnie. <laughs> yeah. Ronnie is that person that it never goes away. It just stays. It's a part of her life. So that was more of the experience this season of really resonating with that and coming to terms with that of a person who tried to survive like everyone else, but is living with it on a long-term basis. Mm. And that didn't resonate with me in season one. I didn't quite understand it to that capacity until I started meeting people that live with COVID as a lifelong thing that impacted them. Yeah. How do you think um, the realization or the discovery that Ronnie has about you know the source of her, of her life uh, and her, you know, being able to live the long sick as opposed to dying, you know, very quickly. The fact that, you know, her husband is responsible for, I mean, they called him the butcher, you know, yeah, <laughs> like exactly. for, for what he does to hybrid children. You know, how, how, like, how, how do you, what impact do you see that it, that it had on her, you know? And, and I guess at the same time too, did it change how you, and Ronnie, like, do you see Adi as a villain? You know, Ooh. like, because I've really wrestled, <laughs> I wrestle with this, with yeah. this too. Like, on one hand, I absolutely do. Um, but I also recognize that the love, you know, he's, he's depersonalized uh, the children, yeah. you know, and just like a lot of people in that world who doesn't see their humanity, you know, his love though for Ronnie, um, at certain it, points. You know? Yeah, <laughs> it, like, I was going to say, I think the, the biggest challenge with that one is for Ronnie, she's seeing the person that she loved and made all these sacrifices in the name of their love could potentially not be doing it for the same reasons anymore. Yeah. And I think that was hard for her to grapple with and seeing it and realizing that she has to grapple with the fact that she put him in that position mm. and she 
allowed it. Yeah. But also acknowledging that she could be a person that could decide to walk away. Mm. And if, you know, I won't reveal too much, but depending on where they are in their relationship, it really is a test to see is love enough. Yeah, it's so interesting, like how the story, yes, it's this, you know, post-apocalyptic world and, you know, this, I mean, things that we have not yet seen, Mm -hmm. you know, in our in our world, you know, with the the human animal hybrids and 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 what have you, because that's me covering all my bases where spoilers are concerned. You know, so on one hand it's that, but on the other hand too, it's a marriage story. It is, <laughs> and you know what? It was so interesting because the first season was very rooted in love, mm. and being newly married at the time when I was filming, that kind of all came together. Yeah. And then this season, we just kind of had to chip away at this this relationship so many times that it was truly heartbreaking. But it gave you a really good reality of of what happens in that kind of scenario when you have two individuals fighting for the same goal and then realizing that one has decided that it's enough. Yeah. Did you answer my question? Do you see Addie as a villain? Oh, I don't. Yeah. And maybe that's because I'm a little biased with, with Ronnie and me, but it's... There's an element of understanding the hurt mm. in that moment in time and seeing a person that is now being consumed mm. by the world that they are in. Um, and so I think in that sense, it's it's hard to see Addie as a as a villain. I think Dr. Singh, that's another that's another part of it as well. When you think of Dr. Singh as just Dr. Singh, not the husband. I was going to say, you've turned hard. it into like a, a Dr. Jekyll, a Mr. Little bit. Hyde. Yeah. <laughs> but that's what it feels like, I yeah. think. Because when you even look at it, so many of the scenes are Ronnie seeing him as her husband. And then when they are in the lab together, it's a completely different person. Mm. And so that's the part that we had to grapple with is who is he in what place and why? And how does Ronnie take that in? Well, like the queen of her fucking name. I'm sorry. <laughs> this is a spoiler for 20 seconds or whatever, if you want. But the way that, you know, that she sets up uh, the kind of the final like slap to his face or whatever with Ganesh, like sitting there on a suitcase and, and like bringing him, you know, to confront like where they started. Yeah. And what he has, what he has sacrificed, you know, in, in pursuit of, of his dream. Like, oh. That's what I love. I love fucking Ronnie. She is. (laughs) (laughs) And this is a testament. Welcome back to everybody who just forwarded. By the way, yes. This and this just is a testament to the writers who really allowed that component to just show and not have it in the dialogue. It was so beautiful to see. And again, I think we talked about this for season one. Incorporate that aspect of the culture and who these people are in the background, Mm. but not make it so obvious. And that power move that Ronnie makes at that moment in time is powerful because there are no words left, Mm. only action. And that was something that I truly respected about the people who created Ronnie and wrote Ronnie the way she is, is that she's very action-based. Yeah, That every decision that she makes has to have a goal at the end of it. Yeah. And if that goal is no longer achievable, you have to pivot. And that's who she is. That's yeah. who, who she's always been. And I love that they 
allowed her to stay true to herself. To I do love, end. I noticed during my intro when mm-hmm. I called her a bit of a Lady Macbeth and you were like clapping because like, so I think the different, the difference though, and it, it was a, it, like the difference between, you know, Ronnie and Lady Macbeth is like, Lady Macbeth like was trying to get Macbeth to do like some heinous shit, right? Like, and, but like was trying right. to push him because in a lot of ways she, she was stronger, you know, yeah. than her, than her husband, you know, and I kind of seen the same thing with, uh, with Ronnie and, Addie, right? Like she's like, no, you got to do this. You got. And- <laughs> well, she's in his ear, and and funnily enough, the reason why I got so excited when you said that <laughs> is she was actually mentioned in season one when we were talking about. To me, I saw that parallel of Lady M. What is so funny is in theater school. I had to play Lady M several times and it wasn't no way. Yeah, it was this thing of oh yeah, you look like a person that could play Lady M. That was your your my Shakespeare character that teacher said like you really sit in that character really well and so I was like you know what I'm never gonna play that character in real life or out in the real world and no one's gonna hire me for that and then I'm playing Ronnie in season one and I'm going hold the phone this character is really similar to Lady M and I remember going to one of our producers Linda and saying hey like am I crazy and she was like no that's exactly where the pocket that we're playing with and then season two the moment I don't want to give this away. The moment in the lab when he he holds her face and mm-hmm. then there is that spot. That to me was the quintessential Lady M moment mm. of feeling it, seeing it on her hands. And I guess I could I could tease this. Yeah, seeing blood on her hands. Yeah. And realizing what she's done, yeah. what he's done, and how bad it's gotten. And it was amazing to feel that of, oh, that is the Lady M moment. Yeah. Wow. I'm feeling super smart right now. Uh, I kind of saw that. Um, because it's, I mean, it's not, it isn't explicit, but it's, it is, uh, yeah. It's, that, it's very weighted. That yeah. that same kind of dynamic of a relationship Oof. of, Oof. of a, <laughs> let's say, a partner guiding um, their significant other towards doom. Yeah, <laughs> towards doom. Yes, I mean, that doom was a little bit more explicit. Uh, <laughs> uh, people who have watched season two will understand. Uh, they'll be like, "I understand that reference." Yeah, uh, that Captain America gift that everybody <laughs> loves. Um, okay, I do want to you. I, I want to talk about something else I mentioned in the intro, which was. The most fantastic slash awkward uh, family dinner scene that I've seen in a really long time. My daughter and I were just like <laughs> losing our shit over it because um, that that family dinner it had it had Addie, it had Ronnie, uh, it had Johnny, mm-hmm. it had Abbott, uh, and um, there was a lot of power stuff, you know, at play there. Yeah, um, it was also nice to see Ronnie kind of interacting with you know different uh, more than just not. I had a little bit more interaction. I had, there's some, like last season, there were other people you kind of interacted with, but like there was, um, I mean, Addie was really, you know, uh, the main scene partner. Yeah, her contact point. Yeah, Yeah, definitely. But this, this one, this season, you know, like there's, you know, Johnny and then also like the kind of like the, oh my God, 
between Abbott and Ronnie. Like, yes. Bonkers. So, so <laughs> tell me about working with these actors um, and kind of, you know, the your response to the material of that. Um, yeah. That that dinner scene where, you know, uh, I mean, that she's asserting her power there, too. Absolutely. You know, by choosing the menu and by inviting Johnny. Yeah. You, you see <laughs> you see all of the dynamics of the four of them, which I thought was Incredible. It's one of my favorite scenes because of how long it took to shoot. There were just so many angles that we were shooting it from. We got to try different things and play with it. But I love the fact that working with Neil, who plays Abbott, we got to really play these two characters that were fighting for power mm. in that scene. But it was kind of two people seeing each other from across the table and going, I see you. Yeah. I know what's up. And that was really fun to play that these were two power-hungry characters that were calling each other out in a way, which yeah. I thought was really fun. But then you also see the the love and the kindness that comes in from Johnny. And and Marlon, just as a an actor, as an uh, artist, was so lovely to work with. Um, and a damn fine singer. Yes. <laughs> to boot. Beautiful singer. <laughs> um, fun little fact uh, that I think is already out there, but uh, so he had to have he, a little, a few hair extensions put in to keep his mullet. And oh God, what a majestic mullet that yes, man Yes, it was. <laughs> um, so season two, they had to add it back, but they used the hair that they had cut from me to get my hair back to Ronnie's length. Um, so they had used my hair for his extensions, which I what? found out six weeks in. <laughs> Which was hilarious. So that was a bit of a bonding experience of knowing that, oh, this is how our characters are connected. <laughs> that is magical. It is. Uh, it's a very sustainable set. Oh, well, yes, as well. <laughs> but I was, I mean, I was just talking about the fact that, you know, uh, through Ronnie, like Ronnie is the one who really draws out, you know, Johnny's uh humanity in a lot of ways or helps right. him claim his like his identity or whatever watch this watch season two damn everybody damn watch it um you know and then there there he is actually wearing wearing you yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> channeling ronnie yeah. in, in every sense of the form but it's it was amazing to be across from one another for i think it was about two days that we had that scene playing what? out wow uh and it was it was amazing to see what each actor brought to it and yeah. the different relationships they had with the different characters. Because in that moment, I hadn't seen what Singh and Abbott were like together. To, yeah. So to witness them from across the table was very interesting. So we all were able to to come together and and show who our characters were and play our cards. It really it really felt like a bit of a poker game, which wow. was great. Okay, I got a I got a question from my kid. Okay. Uh, so um because in in the episode, Ronnie is the one who sets the menu for the awkward family dinner. I think it was like lasagna with real cheese and yes. some kind of bean salad. Three bean um, salad. Three yes. bean salad <laughs> like with artichokes, I think. Um now if you were going to set the menu for an Ooh. awkward family dinner, what would you choose personally? That's for my kid, 12 years old. That's Me what they as Aliza. Oh, yeah. An awkward family dinner. Well, you just, you know that it's, you know, it's going to be, it's going to be a dinner. See, I, <laughs> it's funny because I don't want anyone in my family to think that this is what I intended, but I, it's a go-to <laughs> is biryani. 
Mm. At like, cause it's such a giant platter, but it has so many layers. Yeah. And I feel like that would also play into people just taking on different layers of the biryani. Yeah. Yeah. And there's, there's nothing better than a good biryani. Cause then if things get awkward, you can just dig into it and no one questions it. <laughs> so you got to have something really tasty. Yeah. And for dessert, sorry. Cause the, in the show, they oh, have yes, like you terrible have milkshakes dessert, for dessert. It's a milkshake. Yeah. Got to add a lussie then if lussie. we're going, on, <laughs> if we're going in that direction. Yeah. Excellent. Excellent. Uh, <laughs> thank you for that answer on behalf of myself and my child. Um, when you look back at season two, then uh, what 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 are the memorable moments, you know, from filming that immediately come to mind? Oh, I mean, it's got to be all the kids and the hybrids. I mean, I wish. Oh, I yeah, had- you got to work with them. I know bit. I did yeah. for, for a brief minute. I wish th- there was more. But um they were all so excited to be there. I think what was really cool is I remember the first time I met them. Um, cute I was as passing buttons, by, by the way. Super cute. And I just heard them all whispering. They were like, it's the doctor's wife. It's the doctor's <laughs> wife. And it warmed my heart so much because you end up realizing that they had all watched season one. And for them, being on this show was magical. Mm. And the sets and everything, it is magical. Yeah. But when you've been in this business for so long you forget how magical it really is when you've never seen it. Yeah. And so having all of these kids experience it, some of for the first time, you really felt that love and it reminded you how truly special this story was. Yeah. So yeah, I loved working with them because it it reminded you of why we're doing it in the first place. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Can we talk a moment about um about one of those kids? Mm-hmm. Uh your your fellow Vancouverite, your your fellow yes. Leo Award winner, uh, <laughs> Sweet Tooth himself, Gus Christian, Mr. Convery, um, yeah, yeah, Mr. Con- <laughs> He's Master Convery. He's not old enough for that <laughs> yet. Squire Convery. Um, t- t- tell me about you know uh, the changes that you know you've seen in him, yeah, you know, as an actor, as a human being, you know, uh, and the ways that um, you know he's risen to the. To be, you know, the the, the leader, lead. yeah, absolutely, oh. of this massive show. It is amazing to watch him grow. I mean, this the, I will always give a shout out to Lisa every time I'm on here. His mom, who is just an absolute wonder, keeps him so grounded, but also just wants to make sure he has the experiences of a kid and has the adventures of a kid. Yeah. So I feel like because he has traveled so much and he has met so many amazing people. When you meet him, he's just so warm and kind. And for him to carry a show like this and have all of that responsibility, it's amazing to see that he is there for fun. He's mm. enjoying it. And that's he a loves testament what he does. To, to him, but a lot to Lisa. Absolutely. As well. Yeah. You can see that for him, it's exciting, it's adventurous, and it needs to be. And Really, I mean, his his mom creates this space as well, but the entire cast, I mean, we take that responsibility of making it a family mm. so that for any of these kids, including him, that it it feels like you have the support of all of these adults with you. Yeah. Um, but he he is so incredible. I know he's going to take the world by storm if he isn't already. Yeah. Um, because he will take on any challenge and he does so with, so much love and and so much determination and 
for someone. Sounds like you're describing Gus. Yeah, I know. (laughs) And really in every aspect of that, he, he is. And, and that's what, um, makes Gus shine so much through him. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's been so wonderful to know him. And it's amazing when I get to see him when he's here at not off doing some sort of crazy adventure or sport that I can't keep up with. <laughs> oh gosh, kids these days. I know. <laughs> with their energy and their and their Roblox and all the things that they do. You so you both won Leo's. We did. Uh, as I say, early in the night. Grateful <laughs> for that. Set the tone. <laughs> what 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 did winning that award? For this particular role, you know, what does that, what did that mean to you? What does it mean to you now? That night is still so surreal to me. And I think it's because it felt like a show that I, that we filmed so far away Mm. in New Zealand. It felt a lot bigger than us in a lot of ways, especially where we were at in the world. So to, to be there on a night that was meant to celebrate our community here in BC. Yeah. I didn't think it was going to mean as much to me as it did because when I went up on that stage and I saw so many people that I love and admire, it carried more weight than anything. Mm. It became something where Krisha and I were able to just jump in joy because we were excited for each other in that moment going, this is our community. This is where we started and here we are um, getting to celebrate each other. I think that is what made it so special is that uh, each of us, when we went up there, we just wanted to to congratulate the other person because it meant so much. Mm. Um, but yeah, I, I I think in my mind, I wasn't really expecting it. I think for, for Christian, I was like, yes, of course, he, he did an amazing job, but to, um, to be in a category with so many amazing women, I mean, I think that just is a testament to the amazing actresses we have in BC. Mm. Um, it was a beautiful, beautiful feeling. And uh, speaking of beautiful, you looked beautiful in your sari. Oh, thank you. Very beautiful. My it's- husband uh, leveled it for me. So shout out to my husband who leveled my pleats. He did? Yes. He has that skill set? I know, right? I, very I can't impressive. let him go. It's very impressive. Yeah. You hold on to that one. <laughs> season three yes. is in the can. Yeah. Uh, and season three, it's the final season. I mean, mm-hmm. that's already been been announced. So, which means that you are you are moving on now yes. uh, into <laughs> other projects, and we'll speak about an upcoming project very soon. But with regards to Ronnie, how how do you think you will carry her with you? You know, and do you grieve her? Oh. This one, I've I've been asked this actually once. Um, oh no! Well then, is, so I don't want you to answer this. <laughs> <laughs> of 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 because uh, I don't know how I can answer this quite yet. But it's it is a bit of a a grieving. But I feel like any character you play kind of just gets absorbed. Mm. Like I feel like I've absorbed Ronnie at this point, and Ronnie will forever be a character that was in my life during one of the most collective traumatic experiences that we all had as a society. Mm. Um, So I feel like Ronnie is the woman that got me through it. Wow. Yeah. What a woman to get you through it. I know. Um, To be able to play a strong woman who has had no choice but to survive, it really informs how you take on things that overwhelm you in life. Yeah. so for me, I think Ronnie will always be there mm. for me. 
um, yeah, there are, very, there are certain characters, I think, for any actor that just impact you and never really leave. Um, Layla in Little Mosque was one um, that I would say was alongside me during my teenage years. And now I feel like Ronnie was the one that was with me through a big change in my life. Yeah. Um, and yeah, and was someone that I will always cherish and love for mm. all of her flaws. <laughs> uh, what a great answer. I love that answer. Oh. Um, I didn't actually realize that when you when uh, you were there filming season two, yeah, um, that there was a wave, a COVID wave. Yeah. Um, I was going to ask, like, and maybe you can still answer it. Yeah. Uh, if I was going to New Zealand, yes, haven't never been before, right? Um, Besides filming sites for the Lord of the Rings films, you know, <laughs> where would you recommend? Like, give us the four one one on like can't miss spots or can't oh, miss things wow. to eat. Or like, I didn't realize though because I guess I thought that because if you went back this, you know, for season two, like yeah. that you got to do more. But I guess you didn't get the chance to. No, and and for me that was a particular choice because because there was a larger wave. I wanted to make sure that. I was safe. I wanted to make sure that I wouldn't get any of my crew members or, or yeah. castmates safe. So I didn't venture out too much. I would say that the food in New Zealand is just out of this world incredible. Really? Like, yeah, it, it's like incredible seafood. Um, amazing wine for anyone that's uh, wanting to explore that. I'm sorry, I, I, our listeners can't see, but the, the, you did this like little thing with your head that was very much like, yeah, I drink wine. Yeah, oops. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, you do. Yeah, yeah. so okay. for any wine lovers, I would I would recommend um, trying out New Zealand's incredible wine. Just country. all the wine, try yeah, all the wine. Wahiki Island, that's always a, a great place to be in a great spot. But yeah, for me, I, I mostly tried to stay local in Auckland and um, I got to hang out with some amazing people and, and eat and chat. And I feel like that's the best thing in the world when you're you're working on a show is to be able to just have some conversation, some food, go to bed and then go to work the next day. Yeah, sounds wonderful. All right, have we, have we covered Sweet Tooth? I think so. Oh, there's so much in Sweet Tooth, so I'm excited for everyone to to watch it. And yeah, well, I guess like Austin, has there been anything in the reaction to mm. season two, and specifically in the reaction to Ronnie, you know, yeah. that has surprised you at all? You know, there were so many theories that people had about Ronnie after season one. A mm. lot of people thought she was going to turn into a hybrid for some reason. Hmm. Like a lot of people thought, okay, she is going to get one of these doses, and something's going to go wrong. Yeah. Um. So I mean, I, I could see, I could see that though, considering yeah. how how many hybrids have been, you know, that she had benefited from. <laughs> exactly. Right. <laughs> yeah. So it was, it was very much. Um, even in my mind, that's where I thought it could go uh, before we actually saw the scripts. But yeah. it was amazing to hear people say. I really loved where they took Ronnie this mm. season. I really loved the journey that they gave her and how they really saw the yin and yang between the sings and yeah. how that formed. Um, and that really meant a lot to me that it, it, you know, the writers created such an incredible woman with a sense of agency, a sense of power and being empowered. 
And I think as a woman of color, that was really, really important to show. And I was yeah. really grateful that they created, especially in all of the female characters on the show, they created really strong female characters. Oh my God. And I don't I don't think this is that much of a spoiler, mm. but also I'm so stoked about the that the big bad for season three yes. is oh this God. incredible woman of color, Mrs. Zhang, who is this like shows oh. that yeah asian women can be terrifying terrifying like <laughs> but she looks like she's straight out of like dallas or- i love it like but just to highlight this incredible woman rosalind chow who's just an incredible um actress that we were all so excited to have yeah. on this cast she is so incredibly lovely and um when I was there this season, I was a little bit more homesick because it was the second round of, of being away from home for six months. And she was just so warm and welcoming and saying, let's you know, go on little hikes together. Let's have a beach day. And so it was really, really wonderful to get to know her and hear about her experiences. And I think that um, her character is oh my God. just, people need to get excited because her, her character coming in is just a force. Um, and I don't know if everyone's ready, but uh, it's it's intense. <laughs> I'm, I'm excited. It, yeah. It, yeah, looks looks incredible. Okay, let's talk about um, another woman who is a force, um, who uh, also, if her memoir is any uh, indication, so delightfully flawed. Um, and we're talking about Zarka Nawaz, <laughs> yes. who just recently posted, um, made an announcement, posted a great photo of you, you as oh well. Oh my gosh, That yeah. you, you were joining, you know, her show, yeah. Zarka. So what can you tell me, you know, about, <laughs> like, what are, what are you allowed to say about, yeah, about this character? And also about, you know, you know, s- saying Zarka's words again, right? Because I'm assuming, yeah. you know, that she, because we, d- we didn't see her in, in Little Mosque. Little no, Mosque, no, no. But, you know, she was the, the force behind it. Yes. Um, and I think her book was called, I think it's called Laughing All the Way to the Mosque. mosque. And yeah. I've given it, like, as a gift many times over the years to Amazing. people. Because it is just, like, hilarious and, like, it just shows that whatever whatever culture you come from, what other faith you have, we're all completely, you know, no one knows what they're doing. Yeah, we're all human <laughs> we're, and yeah, we're making mistakes and no one's perfect. Yeah, and the show looks like, it looks hilarious. And I was like, oh, so I good. was so excited even just like to to see like, oh, to, to think that, oh, we get to see Aliza doing comedy again. I know. <laughs> so that was actually terrifying when, because Zarka messaged me. And and this woman created my career. She's the woman that started my career and made me believe that as a Muslim woman, there was a voice and a place for me. Yeah. Um, and so when she said, hey, uh, we're filming season two of Zarka and I, I I don't know if you're available, but would you um, consider this particular role? And, and she told me about the role and it's a, a character named Pinky. <laughs> Which I love it already. Is, yeah, exactly. It was my thoughts exactly. Well, and, and when we see you in that, like even in that one photo, oh, and it's pink, head to toe in pink, and head to toe in pink, which ironically gave me flashbacks to I think it was season three of of Little Mosque on the Prairie, which is very much a pink season. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was that was a little fun throwback. But you know, reading this character, it was so different from Ronnie, mm. just in general, it was just. 
different world, different circumstances, but also different in a world- wardrobe. Yes, very different <laughs> wardrobe. Uh, but it was comedy, yeah. and I haven't done comedy in a very long time. Yeah, and so for me, this just seemed like the perfect opportunity to play, and I get to play alongside Zarka. Wow. For the first time, even though it, you know I've worked with her before, it was amazing to say, okay, we're gonna work together in front of the camera. And was then there- Like, was that, like, let's say, was it, was it strange, but you've known her like in a certain role, in a certain, yeah. you know, I don't say dynamic, but it would, but it is true. It's a different dynamic, you know, where she was on one side of the of the camera, maybe he's looking behind the monitor or whatever. And now like you're you're both there. Like what was that yeah. experience like for for you? And you know, what kind of a kind of a scene partner is she? I know she's fun. Uh I think you you realize that everything is is all about making it funny, be willing to play. Uh, what was so great is she had brought on such incredible actors. I mean, the fact that there was also Rizwan Munji, Namek Kanji, who oh, I've, I've worked with before. And it was it was so fun to to all meet together and play and joke around. And yeah. you realize as well that that's what you get when you work on comedy. Mm. You get that space to play and move and and laugh about it, which I haven't had over the last um, few years because the the genre was so different. So and also the world. Yes, you know? the world is vi- like there's not really much you can joke around about in in the Sweet Tooth universe. That there's moments, but no, I didn't even not mean the Sweet many. Tooth world. I meant our world. Our world. You know? Yes. Yeah. Exactly. It's just, been, it's just been rough in the Sweet Tooth world, and our world is you know it's it's been a rough time. Yeah. yeah. So it was it was nice to be able to to get on board with that and and to just laugh. Yeah. Um, so I'm really excited for everyone to see that character. She is. Um, Wait, can you actually before before you talk about her? Yeah. Can Can you just like explain? Because I guess I I, sh- I should have done that, but I'm lazy. And as I told you, I was like, my question was Sarka. So in yeah. my in my notes, I just wrote the word, knowing we'd have a conversation. Can you tell the listeners what the show is about? Yeah. And then and then talk more about you know who Pinky is and where oh, she yeah. fits into things. So Zarka is a sitcom on CBC Gem and. And it is about a divorced Muslim woman named Zarka who is trying to be an entrepreneur, let's say, and sell. Oh, how do I put this nicely? But I feel like this is part of the comedy (laughs) and part of Zarka and who she is. She tries to sell white people, brown people things. Um, And so essentially she's a appropriating our own culture to sell it to a, a demographic that white people love to buy, buy brown people. Yeah, things. they really do. And so <laughs> I, I love that she just kind of says it how it is. Yeah. And she doesn't really try to find a nice, polite way of saying it. She just goes, this is the reality. This is what exists. So the first season really is about <laughs> her exploring this. And then she ends up creating something that has a lot of men fighting over her. Mm. Uh, and so season two really picks up where uh, a woman named Pinky uh, comes into the Zarka universe and is an influencer. And so this is where you start to see Zarka and Pinky develop this little um, rivalry of sorts and how they they end up having a beautiful journey together, <laughs> let's say. And um, uh, let me put it this way. Either... Both of the characters will get canceled or they will become viral. 
one of two things will happen at the end of that season. And I'm I'm very curious as to which one it is. What a, what a beautiful way to put it. Um, <laughs> and you filmed in, in Winnipeg? Was that where you filmed? In Regina, Saskatchewan. In so I was right back into the little mosque on the prairie. Of course. I don't know why I yeah. thought. I don't know. That's very like... Um, Montreal, Toronto, Vancouver of me yeah. to be like, it's just a prairie somewhere. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Okay. So back into it. So like, yeah. how much of it felt like, um, like a deja vu or completely yeah. right from when I was going down the escalate, uh, escalator at the airport, I was immediately 16 again. Wow. And it was so bizarre feeling this like, oh, wow. I haven't been back to Saskatchewan in 10 years. Wow. Uh, but it it felt the same. There was this element of comfort that did exist yeah. because it was uh, Zarka. It was right. Zarka's team. It was some of the same individuals from before that she had worked with. And the team that she had brought together were just all so wonderful. I would say that the the crew in Saskatchewan, that creative world, I hope continues to boom because <coughs> it, it's such an incredible... It's such an incredible team of artists that are there. Um, and I really think that they there's so much more work that can come out of that. that wow, how dare you be team? I'm no, I'm, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. <laughs> were, were there were there were there moments though, because it's Saskatchewan, Regina, as I say, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Um, because it's Zarka, where you you brought a little bit of Layla into Pinky. Oh no! No, they're, like they're, totally they're different. Very different. We did make jokes saying that would this would Layla have been an influencer? In, would Layla have been an influencer? Yeah, That's a good question. Because there was always questions about where would Layla be now um, yeah. after Little Mosque, and uh, there was a lot of us saying that maybe she went into journalism, maybe she she did end up becoming an actress because that's how the the series ended, but. Uh, I think a lot of us were like, you know what? She might, she might have become an influencer. I don't know if she'd quite go the pinky, the pinky vibe, but I think she might be up there somewhere. I, I cannot wait. <laughs> I cannot wait. Okay, and um, when, so when does when does season two drop? Then do we have a date? We haven't uh, announced yet. So okay. Hopefully okay, that'll well, be later this year. Okay. Well, watch Aliza's social media feed and follow Zarka. Zarka is a great follow, and you know, and you'll we'll find out that way. Yes, um, on CBC Gem. On CBC Gem. Um, okay, the last time you were here was uh, it, it was less than a year after what I call the summer of hashtag activism. You know, black Instagram squares and yes. a lot of different organizations spending a lot of money on diversity mm -hmm. and, and inclusion um, training and yes. initiatives and br bringing people of color into toxic spaces and all mm -hmm. of that kind of stuff. Uh, and we talked a little bit about, you know, um, your journey yes. uh, with that. Uh, what have, changed? have you seen any change? <laughs> I love, I love that part of the question of like, care to comment? <laughs> it's, yeah, it's, it's funny. It's so funny because I was, I had the same conversation recently with Marcy T. House sitting right. right where where you're sitting, and I started to ask the question, and she just started laughing, and I started laughing, crying because it's we all know, we all know, we all know where it's at, but I think what's fair. <laughs> I'm crying again. Let me ask the question. Okay. What changes have you seen in the film and television industry with regards to anti-racism and dismantling white supremacy? 
Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm a pro. That's mm-hmm. a pro question. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I would say more conversation is happening. Mm. That uh, whether we like it or not, <laughs> yeah. conversation is happening. Whether that conversation is productive or not mm. is um, has been interesting. I think. <laughs> Sorry, I'm laughing again. Yes, has been interesting. Is, has been is, interesting. Yeah. It, it's funny because we're we're trying to make this. I always like to be productive in yeah. talking about this conversation. I'm never wanting to be a person that let's say bashes or or is negative on what is currently happening unless I have a solution for it. I'm mm. very solution-based. So for me, if a conversation doesn't have a goal to find a solution, nothing will get done. If we are sitting yeah. here saying there is a problem and it has affected me and it has affected others, that's great. Yeah. That's important to acknowledge that. But where do we go from here? Yeah. What change do you want to see? What would make it better? And I'm noticing that with so many voices in the conversation, there are very few that are actually trying to find solutions to the problem. Yeah, I and I I, I agree with you completely. Yeah. Because I feel uh, like for a lot of um, people in power who, you know, there's who are still predominantly white people who still need to figure out a way to sit in their discomfort. The fact that we are having conversations is a solution. Exactly. One hundred percent. The idea is, oh, if we're sitting here having the conversation or we've invited you to the table, that's enough. Yeah. And the question is, well, what is being done at the table? Yeah. Has anything changed now that people are at this table saying these are the changes that we want to make? It's it's painfully slow. Yeah. It, and that's where I think we need to start talking about active solutions that we can yeah. implement, not just saying, hey, we stand in solidarity or I'm an ally. Yeah. Allyship is an active, it, it's an active it's experience. Not a hashtag, yeah. Exactly. It, like to me, to say I am an ally is not enough. Yeah. It, it's, and I'm an ally in progress. Yeah. You know, it's, and it's other people from that community should be the ones to call you an ally. Exactly. You shouldn't like bestow it upon yourself. And actually, I'm going to link also to the Marcy T. House episode in the footnotes for this episode because she spoke too about land acknowledgements. Yeah. You know, that that's like a perfect example, you know, of in the theater. Yes, we are on this this land. Okay, and... Is there money that you're giving? Are like, is there, is, you know, everybody here tonight, are we, what are we do actually doing? Exactly. Besides just acknowledging it. Yeah. So. And so I think that the conversations have definitely come up. Something I actually want to highlight um, from Sweet Tooth, actually, which gave me hope, which I would like to showcase just because it's a solution and shows you how it's possible to have authentic inclusion yeah. without needing it to be a big song and dance in front of the camera. Um, when it comes to Ganesha, there was a moment where there was a scene for Rani where it created a shift for her into action. And I felt like there was something that we could change in order to make it stronger or uh, maybe I needed to know more about what the writers were thinking. So I went up to one of our producers and I said, hey, I was thinking about this scene. I had a couple of ideas about it. And I was wondering if I could just have a, a conversation um, with someone about it. And he said, yeah, let me let me talk about it with a couple of other people and I'll get back to you. The next day, there was a one hour appointment set up with 
one of our head writers and story editors, um, Daniel Stewart, and our cultural advisor that we had on set. Wow. And that was a full one-hour meeting talking about Rani, talking about the Hindu faith, whether the action that we had or wanted to implement would make more sense from an internal standpoint, from Rani growing, mm. uh, as opposed to looking to Ganesha as a form of, of prayer, but now looking at Ganesha and seeing those parallels to the hybrid, seeing the symbolism that was there. And we were, we were talking about this for a full hour. And I left thinking, you know, they, they entertained me for an hour. They, they at least did that much. That's great. A week later, new drafts come in. And this scene, uh, I believe it's in episode six. Mm -hmm. This scene had no dialogue. It was Ronnie that was simply standing in, in front of Ganesha. And so I figured nothing was going to change, but at least we had the conversation. I read the new draft and the writers had created a whole other scene no dialogue it was just moments that ronnie was having and that to me was like a love letter to ronnie yeah that the writers had written and that's not something that you know the audience is going to read they're going to see it yeah but that is change that was a moment of authentic storytelling of a woman of faith and how that faith shifted mm. and it was inclusive because you had someone there as a consultant to actually verify the experience. You had a writer who was able to create a beautiful arc and you had the performer in the conversation as a woman of color being able to share her own experience in playing that character. So you had all of these different departments together for this one character and it was a single moment, it was 30 seconds, but it meant the world to me yeah. that I was able to be in that space and have that conversation and that production facilitated that. Wow. Right? It I doesn't happen very often yeah. and it may seem small, but the fact that a, a producer was like, yes, absolutely, we will make that space, that's what inclusion is. Yeah. And it doesn't need to be a little checkbox that someone gets to say, look at me, look at how diverse we are. It is something happening in the background that is informing a beautiful story that you get to share with others as an entire picture. Yeah. Right? Like that to me is progress. I I, I want to hear more stories like that on this here podcast. I right? Wanna, I want to, and that, re that does require an attitude shift yeah. for sure about the nature of how people work together on every level and yeah it's not just i mean it shows how important it is for our writers to have that space yeah right it shows how important collaboration is yeah it's not just actors saying this is what i believe what diversity looks like every single department in this storytelling world wants to collaborate and learn from one another so we can tell complex yeah. dynamic stories of individuals and makes it yeah and it makes it better yeah you know? and and not feel limited to our own experiences as the only stories we can tell yeah. i think that's where we're in right now in diversity and inclusion is the only people that can tell a diverse story are people from that exact specific experience yeah. as opposed to let's just bring more people in and we can see the commonalities, we can see the differences that we all have, and we can create a mix of stories all together in one giant journey. Yeah. 
Gosh, dang it, Elisabelani. <laughs> it's it has been an absolute pleasure. We are nearing the end of our time today. Already? Um, I know. It's been an hour. Wow. I know. It goes by. It goes by so fast. Um, I do want to end with uh the second uh question mm-hmm. from my child. Love it. Big sweet tooth fan. Um no big sweet tooth fan, you know. <laughs> is, is, like even despite the fact that watching dog on screen is very traumatic and Bobby too. Um, big fan. Uh and this actually kind of relates to something you were talking about before. If Ronnie mm-hmm. was a hybrid, what kind of hybrid would you like Ronnie to be? Ooh. Oh, this is so interesting. Because for me personally, I've always said being some sort of big cat like a cheetah would be lovely because you'd be super fast. But Ronnie, what kind of hybrid would I want Ronnie to be? It was wonderful to, to see the hybrid kids each had um, a, a gift yeah. that they were able to use to contribute to facing the various challenges that they yes. face as a group, uh, I should say. And, you know, so that got us thinking, you know, about like what we would, what we would like. Uh, and um, personally, yeah, uh, I was a fan of the the monkey uh, yeah. uh, skill, which was amazing to see, you know, leaping everywhere. Um, and also um, the child who uh, was like had bird skills, you know, and um, was able to mimic voices. See, I loved the idea even that you presented that Ronnie eventually starts gaining all of the the skills that all of the hybrids that she's been um, injected with, let's say, yeah, uh, that those start to come out. I I initially thought that the chameleon boy, when uh, that initial dose happened, uh, I initially thought that she would start camouflaging mm. if that was a dose that she ever, that she took, is that she would be able to hide. And I think that that's actually a really important skill for someone like Ronnie to have when she's got the sick yeah. is to be able to to camouflage. So that would be my answer. I think to being be able, able to, hide to hide in plain sight. In plain sight. Yeah. It's kind of Lady M right there. A little bit, right? You <laughs> got to stay bit. on theme. got to stay on theme. <laughs> okay, so Eliza Villani, yes. where can our fans find you, follow you, celebrate you on social media, send you their positive reactions <laughs> about Ronnie and Sweet Tooth and down the line Pinky and yeah, I a- mean, anything. I would say I'm on I'm on Twitter, but usually you'll you'll find me on Instagram. I, I that's like your place. To, yes, yeah. that's my that's the world I I reside in for social media. Yeah, um, but it makes sense. Yeah, it makes complete <laughs> sense. I think in our world, but um, yeah, I'll be there celebrating everyone else as well. So uh, if you want to check me out, I'll also be trying to highlight as many other amazing creatives we have uh, in this world because they they're so here and so wonderful. Yeah, I feel it. And your Twitter and your handle. Oh, my handle. Yes, I I know how to social media, right? <laughs> uh, you could. It's at Eliza Villani. So just my my full name on both. So uh, find me there and and catch up. Yeah, she's a good follow. I swear. I swear. Well, thank you, Eliza. Thank you so much this for having so me. And you're gonna come back. Yes, uh, as always. We'll we'll just talk about whatever. 
every time. Actually, you know what? Come back. Let's talk about Pinky. <gasps> yes. Yeah. Yes. We will talk about all things Pinky. <laughs> all things Pinky. And maybe we could get Sarka on the line. We could yes. That would be great. Okay. Listeners. Thank you. Thank you. I'm picturing all of you right now and I'm expressing deep love and thanks to all of you for spending this time with us today. Please like and subscribe. Leave us a review if you are so inclined. They help us find even more listeners, build our family, and we can keep having conversations like the one we had today. You can find us at YVRScreensy.com. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram at YVRScreensy.com. I don't know why that is hard to say after 272 episodes, but it is. And you can also find me personally on uh, Twitter and Instagram and Mastodon, that's a thing, at Sabrinarf. The YVR Screen Scene Podcast is hosted and executive produced by me, Sabrina Ranimera Ferminger. I am the only one to blame. It is edited by Simon Ferminger. Special thanks to Mariana Ferminger for recording our Patreon ad, to Paul Ferminger for technical support, and to Dane not Furminger Devlin. Poor not Furminger Dane, but as I've been saying recently, and I'll say it again, Dane, you're a Furminger to me. I'm thanking you for the original music. By Fair Screen Scene, it's a division of Fishflight Entertainment. Join us next time for another deep dive into Vancouver's dynamic film and television scene. And cut. Look, I did a little mic drop there. <laughs> Boom. Done. Yeah, I'm such a dork. Okay, bye. Hey, filmmakers, did you know that you can hire top quality, experienced and professional actors for your films? If you're producing a student film for course credits, working on a web series, a short or a feature film, you can afford to have some of the best talent in the business in your production. How, you ask? Well, UBCP Actor has an ultra low budget program which offers a range of options that cover everything from student films to productions with a $300,000 budget. There is a ULB program that will meet your needs, regardless of your budget. To learn more, visit ubcpactor.ca and look for ultra-low budget programs or email ulbprogram at ubcpactra.ca. Now is the time to jumpstart your dream for the screen.